Good afternoon. I'm your host, Jimmy Kim, and you're watching the greatest show on the planet, The Jimmy Kim Show. To the audience out there, thank you so much for tuning in. We have an awesome episode in store for today. I'm interviewing the Texas Land Commissioner, George P. Bush. Uh, he's also a U.S. a decorated U.S. Navy veteran and also a business attorney. And we're going to go through many interesting topics. So we're going to go ahead and start. George, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And go ahead and start with a background about yourself. So tell the audience who you are. There's nothing playing. Yeah. Do it again. Okay. George, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you okay, better now. now. I can hear me. Okay, good. Okay. George, can you repeat that, that last uh, statement one more time, please? Uh, apologies, we had a little bit of technical difficulties, but we've taken care of it. Well, thank you again, Jimmy, for having me, and uh, it's great to be on the show. Uh, you know, after a rigorous campaign, I'm once reminded after a nice spring break that uh, my most important job title is being a father and a husband and, and a Christian. And so it's great to be with you as we get back on the campaign trail, uh, as we march towards May 24th, which is the runoff primary here in Texas, to determine uh, the future of 30 million Texans, including a, a role that I'm running for, and that's the Attorney General's office. So it's great to be with you, Jamie, and great to see you. Yeah, yeah, same here. Like I said, I like George, I like hanging out with you in person more. But hey, this is cool, too. <laughs> <laughs> we can do this. What's that? Virtual uh, existence is kind of the new uh, COVID reality, right? Yeah, yeah, but it's okay because we've hung out in person several times. So we are, we that's just initially actually how we met. So we know how we are, which is great, and it's a good totally. substitute. Yeah, and I'm glad to hear yeah, you're. Great a, to be with yeah, yeah, thank you so much, George, and I'm so glad to hear you're a family man. Because, yeah, there's certain uh, factions in society right now where they don't necessarily support that, and families are trying to be torn apart and family values are not being supported. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, George? Well, I think uh, Texas has led but could do so much more to make sure that parents are choosing their child's future. And um, whether it's education, whether it's vaccination requirements or mask mandates, you know, we got to continue that fight in the courthouse. And that's one of the reasons why I'm running for attorney general. I think it also ties into faith. Um, I'm a former teacher, Jimmy, and uh, I have a lot of interesting experiences in the classroom. But I think one thing is for sure that Texas needs to move towards the idea of the dollar following the student rather than the dollar going to the educrats in Austin or in large cities like Houston. I think when we give parents more choice and, and decision-making authority over the future of their children, our society is going to be so much better off. And those are the types of ideas I've been fighting for as land commissioner and hopefully as the next attorney general for Texas. Excellent. Next, George, can you tell us about uh, you did talk a little bit about your family, but tell us about the, the your extended family, too. You can keep it short. Yeah. Well, um, my grandfather and my grandmother were going to miss a lot, George H.W. And, and Barbara. And, uh, you know, they were just such incredible role models for me growing up. And, you know, growing up as a Bush, I think most people don't really believe me when I say this, but it's about uh, as normal of an experience as you'll find. Um, they made sure that I got a job early on in my life to understand the value of a dollar. They taught me the importance of a good, solid work ethic to build a foundation for success in life, um, to believe in God and, and to follow Christ as uh, our Savior. And so 
um, my dad and my mom uh, still reside in Florida, and you know they'll call in once in a while. But I know my real role, Jimmy, and that's just being uh, the, the parents to their grandchildren. They love coming to Texas to spend time with our two boys, who are eight and six, and. My beautiful wife, who I met in law school, uh, most people don't believe it, but we were opposing counsel in a mock trial. And uh, like a high schooler, I passed her a note and invited her out to uh, to date. And we actually went on a golf round. She beat me by nine strokes. She said that she's beat so many uh, guys in high school, but none of them ever followed through to ask her out on a date. They were so embarrassed losing to uh, a woman on the golf course. But uh, she said that it said a lot about my character to – to follow up and take her out on a date. We dated for about two years, got married. We've been happily married now for 18 years with our two uh, amazing boys who are now eight and six. Yeah, well, I'm glad glad to hear it worked out. Maybe sometime I'll get to meet her too. I, I don't think I've met her yet. But, uh, yeah, well, she comes out on the campaign trail once in a while, um, right. especially in West Texas, and we'll, we'll have to bring out to, uh, to San Angelo, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So to the audience that's not familiar, yeah, George P. Bush is the relative of uh, two former presidents, uh, George H.W. Bush and George W. Bush. And also your father is the former governor of Florida, Jeb Bush. Just want to make a little bit clear for the people that uh, aren't quite as familiar with uh, you and your family. And then also the relative of uh, former U.S. Senator Prescott Bush, right? So you're the great grandchild. Is that correct, George? That's a, that that's a lot there, yeah, but... That okay. is correct. And, you know, public service is uh, embedded in the DNA. Right. It's about serving fellow Americans, serving fellow Texans, and um, just privileged to, to have that opportunity to serve Texans in this role. All right, next, let's talk about some of your military experience. And you're a decorated Navy veteran, and thanks for your service. I think I've already told you that in person, George, but, yeah, I'll say, I'll say it again in front of a big audience. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's truly an honor to have had the opportunity to serve you know, I got my commission really late in life, uh, around the age of 30. But uh, after 9-11, I felt like I needed to do more. And I was already practicing law in, in North Texas and felt that I could offer something to serve my uh, my great country. And so um, had a chance to deploy to Afghanistan, had the honor to serve under Admiral McRaven, who led the task force that eventually captured Osama bin Laden. Um, I also spent a lot of time uh, looking at the Southern Command, which is uh, predominantly you know, uh, transnational organizations and gangs that provide a national security challenge to our great country and our southern border, uh, namely MS-13 and other uh, bloody drug cartels. And so that's the type of experience that I'm trying to bring to the table as an ex-attorney general is literally being a warfighter, knowing how to take on the national security threats that our country faces, but also the state of Texas. And so um, privileged to have that opportunity to have served in that role. Yes, I think that's great that you have that that experience under your belt, because from what I'm aware of, George, in the Texas government, there aren't that many veterans. Is that correct? That's correct. I'm the only non-judicial statewide elected official that has a military background. There's a handful of, of military veterans in the legislature, but there really aren't that many, less than you would think in a body of 181, 150 in the House and 31 in the Senate. And, um, you know, I think that's a problem. And one of the things I'm also mentioning is that the same applies for law enforcement in Texas. In, in that large swath of, of leadership in our state government, only two formerly have worn the uniform. That's unacceptable. And that's why one of the other things I'm campaigning on is backing our law enforcement officials in the state of Texas, where we don't have a Bill of Rights for them in the state of Texas. And they are literally under assault with uh, DAs that refuse to do their job and follow on the criminal investigative work 
that they put in tirelessly in communities like Houston and Katy and in areas in Fort Bend County. Right. All right. As we continue, George, before we continue, can you send yourself on the screen a little bit? Yeah. To the to the right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. All right. Next, let's go on to some of your business experience as a an attorney. Yeah. So after graduating from uh, University of Texas School of Law in 2003, I clerked with a, a federal judge in Dallas in the Northern District of Texas, uh, Sidney Fitzwater, who was the youngest appointed federal judge during the uh, Reagan administration. And then worked in a uh, law firm where I learned a lot about business transactions and uh, worked with a variety of clients, one of whom recruited me to start uh, their investment fund. Uh, Coincidentally, in an area of the law that our current attorney general is facing three felony counts for securities fraud to deceive investors uh, and is looking at 99 years of maximum criminal sentencing here in Harris County. Um, And so after that practice of law, uh, then ran for office after deploying to Afghanistan in 2010, and then in 2014 was elected as the 28th land commissioner for the great state of Texas. I've used my law degree every single day as uh, the land commissioner defending the oil and gas industry, protecting real estate developers and investors in our state, including private property ownership along uh, as far away as the Red River down south to uh, our state's southern border. And so I think being land commissioner has been an extraordinary preparation to be the next attorney general because, make no mistake, with the Biden administration and the White House and their anti-Texas, anti-growth agenda, along with liberal progressive mayors and judges that are standing up to directors of freedom, you need somebody that has that experience that's one in the courthouse on behalf of our most important resource in the state, and that's the school children of Texas, who I represent as the land commissioner for the last seven and a half years. Right. So next, we're going to move on to the, your current thoughts about just what's going on internationally around the globe. What are your thoughts on Russia and Ukraine right now? That's a really hot topic. So I thought I'd just get your thoughts on that for a little while. Well, I think this is a failure of leadership during the Biden administration where we've known that the Russians had their sights on the mainland of Ukraine. We knew that they seized the Crimean Peninsula eight years ago. We've known that they've funded separatist regions in the Donbass area of eastern Ukraine. You know, and being in oil and gas, myself as a, as a private individual, but also as land commissioner, I've always fought for exporting more of our Texas oil and gas resources to our friends in Western and Eastern Europe to avoid a situation where countries like Germany are held at gunpoint by dictators like Vladimir Putin. We have a president, regretfully, that rather would get on the phone with royal princes in Saudi Arabia, mullahs in Iran, and dictators in Venezuela, then calling Texas oil and gas leaders and asking for more production to ease the lack of supply that we currently have in uh, the energy business globally. And so we have a president that's focused on switching, you know, and, and you've got John Kerry as well that believes that uh, climate change is more of an existential threat to the Ukrainian people than actual missiles and rockets that are dropping on, um, you know, harmless civilians, including maternity wards and clinics. This is um, this is devastating. So as an intel officer, I think there's a lot more that we could have done. But now we've got to look forward and what we can do together. Uh, I don't advocate for boots on the ground at this moment. Um, I do think we need to honor our commitments and make it clear to Charter Five. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Article Five under Charter, the NATO Charter. That's defending one for all uh, in Western Europe. 
But in the meantime, we can provide the arms and the resources necessary to the Ukrainian people so that they can continue this incredible resistance um, struggle for freedom that I think has won converts uh, across freedom-loving people throughout the world. You know, I, was, I was actually there a few years ago, so it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy to see that happening right now. It really is, Jimmy, and, and I, I was also reflecting uh, recently upon the Ukrainian uh, energy minister. He came to Texas uh, right after uh, the Crimean uh, Peninsula um, uh, struggle and asked for our thoughts in terms of what Texas does to keep most of its royalty payments in the schoolhouses of its own country, and it was an incredible dialogue that we had. Uh, they were taking notes, and, and they were in the process and continue to be, we hope, as an independent nation, to develop their own shale gas, which they have tremendous amounts of, uh, but because that the, the Russians have put a stranglehold on their ability to hire uh, necessary scientific and engineering capacity to make this happen, we need more activity from U.S. business leaders to help the Ukrainians develop their own resource. Right. Yeah. And then Americans are definitely feeling it at the pump right now with these gas prices just going up the, the roof. It's crazy. Yeah. Just like a few years ago, George, yeah, gas was less than $2 a gallon. Now it's more than double. It, it's crazy. California just crossed the $6 oh, uh, wow. un, yeah. uh, unleaded gallon per gallon uh, figure. I picked up some gas yesterday at four twenty um, yeah. per gallon, which is expensive for Texans. But right. um, unfortunately, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. But again, it's a reminder that there is a nexus between national security and energy supply and unfortunately, we're learning that the hard way and American consumers are going to have to pick up the bill, along with Europeans, for that matter, especially if they want to stop financing the bloody regime of Vladimir Putin, which they're finally deciding, it sounds like, Jimmy, this morning, that the EU is looking at embargoing all imports of Russian oil and gas. Next, George, let's talk about, so, the, the current state of Texas where do you where do you kind of see that? Is, are we doing good? Can it is there room for improvement? Is it doing bad? What, what what's going on there? This is your area of expertise. Well, Jim, I couldn't be more excited about the future of Texas. I often talk about how in the 19th century it was the settlers that uh, tamed the wild frontiers uh, of Texas, and then in the 19th century we have the uh, the dreamers, the doers, create the Texas Republic. In the 20th century, we have the scientists and engineers of NASA going to the moon and, and even thinking about colonizing Mars. And in the 21st century, the wealthiest man in the world, a dropout Canadian student from South Africa, brings SpaceX and Tesla to a state like Texas to create uh, the opportunities of tomorrow. I, I believe that we are truly on the cusp of greatness as a state, not only claiming Texas as the place to do business, but to raise a family in the 21st first century, but we are on the, also the cusp of losing so many of these gains. And the reason is, if we don't nominate the right leadership for right political uh, roles in our state, then we can jeopardize all this. And so Californians are moving in droves to Texas, people from all over the country. They are bringing some liberal values. There are some conservatives as well. But it's changing our politics, whether we like it or not. And one of the reasons why I'm running for this office is that if we lose the attorney general's position while a Democrat is in the White House, a lot of these gains will be lost in short order. Uh, so that's why I'm encouraging your viewers to, to go out there, exercise your right to vote on, on May 24th. It's important you get involved in the process so that we can continue this incredible 
miracle, as uh, Governor Perry once called it, the Texas uh, economic miracle, uh, in the hopes that it can continue throughout the 21st century. Yeah, I love that vision. Yeah, I met Governor Perry before. It's been a long time. He's kind of been out of, out of the scenes, but he's a good guy, too. I'm sure you're good friends with him. Really good guy. Uh, he's around top. If you want to check him out, usually you see him around Central Texas or an Aggie football game. That's that's the, the oh, reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very proud. They're very proud. As as uh, Longhorns are proud too, right, George? <laughs> that's right. Oh, come on, come on. <laughs> well, you're half like you're half horns, half ra- owls, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll do. We'll do some you double dip. Oh, nice. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So it's. I, I love that you mentioned, George, uh, civic engagement, because that's something uh, I'm actively engaged in. As you know, that's how we met. But as well as just promoting it, you know, across all demographics and ages, I feel like we just need more people getting involved in politics and caring and knowing about, you know, the candidates they vote for and what they they are actually voting for in regards to policy, too. So like I said, we're, you know, we're leading from the front. And my best hope is that more people will get involved and get out there and go do stuff. Instead of complaining and whining, because I always tell people they just sit on their couch watching Netflix all day and complain and whine. It it does absolutely nothing. It doesn't do anything. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Jimmy. And, um, you know, less than about 20 percent of registered voters came out on March 1 to exercise the right to vote. So one of five in a state of 30 million people. And we are the leader of the greatest country that the world has ever seen. Certainly we can do better than that. And in this runoff. We think it's only going to be 5% of registered voters that exercise the right to vote. And, Jim, you're absolutely right. We can't complain about the society around us if we don't register, get active. And you don't necessarily have to run for office, but just get to know candidates, host forums, go out there to community groups that are involved in debating the important issues of the day, and, and, and just spend time. And you can do a lot of it from home on social media if you can. Um, and there's yeah. so many different ways to offer information to your friends, your neighbors to get uh, more active. But, Jimmy, I-, I couldn't agree more. And it's also about finding more candidates to run for office that are younger, that are more diverse. That's I what I hope to offer in my campaign, you know, especially in Fort Bend County. People forget it's the most diverse county in the entire country. And right. it's one of the strongest Asian-American communities that you find in the entire country. Why aren't we seeing more Asian Republican candidates out there? And so... I hope to be a leader that can not only uh, get involved and encourage more people to run for office, but to support good candidates from the community that understand and bring that voice to the halls of power, because they won't hear it unless you get involved, your viewers get involved. And Jimmy, we're so thankful that you'd offer your platform to uh, spread the message of civic engagement in Texas. Yes, and we're very happy to do that here because this is a, a good way to promote what we're uh, talking about, the civic engagement uh, through mass media. Because it's, it's okay if you're in a meeting full of like, you know, 10 or 20 people. But yeah, if you're doing it in mass media, you know, like I said, we have over half a million people that watch this. So it's just, it's, a, it's another level of promotion, which is great. And yeah, very, very grateful to be able to do that. Next, George, what is it like? This is an experience that you share, but not a lot of people out there share. What is it like to be part of a presidential family? Well, I think it's more normal than most people think. Oh, um, really? Whether it was, um, you know, joining fantasy football leagues or talking about sports, uh, the Bush family is less likely to talk about politics than what's going on in your life. You know, what's, how's you know, work treating you, how's family treating you? Uh, I know that with two young boys at eight and six, my family, when I talk to my Uncle George or Aunt Laura 
um, or my grandparents when they're around or my parents. They just want to know how they're doing, how school's treating them, what sports they're into. Um, I, I will say that our family has in our DNA a, a desire to serve others. This is what it was all about. It's never about coveting title or having a fancy uh, leadership position. It was about making our society, our country, our state a better place to live in. And politics is just one way to do that. And so when you look at, I'm one, it's hard to believe, Jimmy, that there's 19 of us, grandkids of George H.W. and Barbara Bush. That's a lot of us. Um, but a good percentage of us found one way or another, whether it's politics, I'm the only one crazy enough to do this, but others <laughs> that were in, uh, involved in philanthropy and charity and nonprofit organizations to go out there and, and help out our, our fellow Americans, our fellow Texans. And so, um, you know, I just happen to be privileged to be in elective office. But, you know, honestly, I think that's where people sometimes wrong about my families were uh, much more normal than most people will give us credit for. Good. Yeah. I got that vibe when I first met you. I was like, yeah, he's, he's normal. He's cool. I, I know your, <laughs> your relative, uh, Pierce, as well. He's out here. In, I believe the last time I saw him was out in Fort Bend County. So. That's right. Yeah. What Great is his relation to and you? Speaking of which, so Pierce, uh, yeah. his dad is Neil Bush, and Neil is basically my um, my dad's brother, Jeb's So your brother. uncle. Yeah. Okay. And, so he's uh, your yeah. cousin. Pierce is your cousin. Pierce is my cousin. Yeah, he's cool. And uh, good, good guy. But to my point, Jimmy, I mean, he's running Big Brothers, Big Sisters in the right. largest chapter right. of Big Brothers, Big Sisters in our country, right. mostly of which is Houston, but also Central Texas. And, and that's what an amazing way to, to affect a positive change in so many other lives. Right. Excellent. Next, what are, when you look back at all the activities that you've been engaged in so far, George, which is quite a bit, because most people just do one of those activities in their career. Uh, what are what is the best moment that you can reflect back on thus far? Well, I, I may be a nerd when I answer this, but uh, to me, it's leveraging technology to update one of the oldest state agencies that you'll find near the Capitol, um, bringing more technology for oil and gas lease sales that have generated billions of dollars for public education. And you won't read that anywhere in the newspaper or learn about that from the media, but it's the blocking and tackling of running an organization that um, that I've really enjoyed, uh, a staff of 800, and really asking our team to do more with less. Um, oftentimes in government, it's quite the opposite that you hear from politicians. They always say they need more funding, that they need more resources to get the job done. I believe with a business sector background, my entrepreneurial background, both as a lawyer and a businessman, show that you can actually bring change in government by running it more like a business. And so we need to see more of that, not only in Austin, but in Washington, D.C., and I want to carry that forward to the attorney general's office where we dedicate thousands of employees and hundreds of millions of dollars in an area where I think with new technologies we could update, change, make more efficient for the Texas taxpayer. That's why. That's what wakes me up in the morning, honestly, Jimmy. It sound, may sound nerdy or uh, uh, too wonky, but that's, that's why I'm in this is to make it better, make government more responsive to people. It's cool. I like to hear that because, yeah, I'm a, a little bit of a nerd myself. I try to be cool, George, but, <laughs> but I actually love to hear that because even here we, we leverage those new technologies that are up and coming. For example, back in the day, radio was radio. We didn't have social media, but we leverage that social media here so we can get more exposure out to the masses. So I, I like to hear that from you, that you're embracing these new technologies to improve and make your job as well as everything else around you more efficient 
Yeah, that's very important. While I do believe in keeping the old that's good, I do I do firmly believe as a millennial that we have to embrace these new technologies because I feel like the businesses or even uh, political people that don't do that when they're running for office, those are the ones that get left behind in the dust when they're not using the social media. And yeah, so once again, that's a great thing. Next, Pierce, let's go. Or oh, my apologies. I'm so I'm so sorry about that, George. Uh, the next thing is, whenever you had adversity in your life, how did you deal with that and move forward? Well, um, honestly, is to make a, a sober assessment as to what went wrong. And I know that's right. really hard for people to do because oftentimes when you make a mistake or you lose, you make emotional decisions thereafter, trying to course correct, but not thinking through right path forward to actually win the next time around. And so um, there are many times as an entrepreneur where I did fail. Uh, what I share with young business leaders in Texas is that when I started my first investment fund, I was rejected over 99% of the time. I know you might not believe that figure, but I, as a salesman, it, it's, it's very challenging and defeating to lose every single day, almost all the time. But what I learned from that experience is to not only outwork every single, every bit of my competition under the table, but to learn from that experience and thoughtfully course correct um, with not without emotion to do it in a dispassionate way so that you can win the next time around. Um, and, and to never lose hope. I think it's important that, you know, we often see, and I know your generation gets a, a bad rap on this, but, but oftentimes a lot of us do quit and totally go into a different direction when really the original profession or the original goal or career move that we had initially forecasted for ourselves was actually the right path. It's just it, the timing was incorrect or there was something outside of our control. And so those are the types of things that I remind myself when things don't go my way. Um, I also constantly check because there are times where you think you are succeeding, that you are making progress towards your goals, but little do you know that there's also challenges that you can't forecast or see in your immediate um, view. And so it's always important to self-monitor, self-assess, um, and have good friends that can give you an authentic voice of sincerity to make sure that you're not just believing your own, you know what, your own magic formula when um, oftentimes we all need a, a mentor or um, a colleague or somebody in a different industry to give you a third-party uh, validation or course correction to make sure you're on the right path. Yes, I, I love that last point you made because I'm personally big on that too, that environment that you're in. I always try to surround myself with people that are supportive and that are positive. And if they're negative, I, don't, I mean, I can tolerate them for a certain amount of time, but eventually I want to create some space because like I said, I'm a very positive person myself, George, and I want uh, around me people that are cheer me on for activities that I'm engaged in. We're getting close to wrapping up the show here, George. Uh, what is, uh, in just as a politician, elected official, three tips for success? And we are in election season right now. Well, join my campaign. That would be my first tip. Come, come on in and volunteer for us. Uh, you can phone, phone bank or, or, um, or block walk anytime for our campaign. My, in all seriousness, I think that the number one tip would be to join a campaign, get involved, with a candidate that you feel passionately about, that you want to learn more about. Um, I would say, number two, spend some time in government, whether as an intern or working a legislative session, um, work in a county courthouse, work in a, a city hall. That way you can actually see the end result of working tirelessly on the campaign. 
But but third is engage any public speaking opportunity you can possibly uh, find, whether it's in front of a 4-H club or a chamber of commerce. It's so important to uh, to to really master your public speaking skills. I think that it's the number one important skill set to succeed in politics and in government. Um, and people are going to respect you, and you'll be able to command res- command um, command support for any initiative, whether you go for one single issue or get behind a candidate or a political party. So uh, those would be my top three tips of advice. That's what I followed early on in my career, starting really young. Again, sounding like a nerd here, Jimmy, but as a speech and debate um, competitor in high school. Oh, but really? Also working, yeah, yeah, but also working in, um, in campaigns throughout my teenage years and really just seeing early uh, up-close and personal candidates but how campaigns work and how you can win. Yeah, the good thing is, yeah, you, well, because of your family as well, you had that exposure early, which is great. So when I see young people uh, civically involved, that makes me happy. Because I say, I don't see that often. Yeah. And totally. I, we need more of it. Yeah, I totally agree. And yeah, I saw that you were an RNC speaker when you were really young. I, I saw a photo of that somewhere. Is that, is that correct? Right? That's correct. Yeah, I did the Pledge of Allegiance um, at the ripe age of 12. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> When I was and, 12, uh, George, I was still playing with Pokemon. Yeah. And you were speaking at the RNC. What the heck? That's not fair. <laughs> All right, George. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, but there's so many campaigns for young people to get involved in, regardless if your name is Bush or not. I mean, just just get involved. And again, I offer that to your viewers. Come volunteer in our campaign. You don't have to be a registered voter to, to help us out. Right. Yeah. So your candidacy for attorney general, uh, when is the uh, runoff? Is that May? May 24th. 24. That's what I was going to say. But I wanted to hear from you, George. (laughs) (laughs) And there's early voting the week leading up to. So uh, what does what days does that start, George? Yeah, go ahead. I don't know the exact start date, but I guess it would be eight days before. So probably the 16th. Let's go with the 16th. Okay. well, I'm glad we're promoting that as well, because as you said earlier, the voter turnout for the runoffs, it's its really low, and it shouldn't be low because uh, I say this everywhere I go. Every election is important as well as every position. Because most people just look at the presidential election. I'm like, no, you got to look at your local ones too, your city, your state, uh, federal, all of them, because they all influence those what's going on around them. So I, I, like, the, I like the message we're putting out there, George. So I really... Totally. Yeah, I want to appreciate you for coming on my show today and as well as your staff, which is probably helping you. Shout out to them as well. Uh, uh, We will see you next Monday from 12 to 1 to the audience out there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a fantastic day. Bye.